Welcome to the only podcast that shares the astronomical and mathematical positions of the heavenly bodies. This is Sky Astrology. No, not astrology. This is Sky Astrology via astronomy. Hey, welcome to Where the Heavenly Bodies Are. I'm going to be telling you where they are in the sky, thanks to inthesky.org, what I can see with this website because I'm looking at the day sky. Now, I might go, well, probably go to Tokyo on the website so I can see what's in the night sky. This is for May 9th at 1510 GMT time. Here you see one of my, what I find quite interesting discoveries because I didn't know it was there before is planet 10 Eris. It's in Pisces and Satan. Mathematically, it's in Pisces because they don't calculate where planets are in Satan. But that's why it was good we use this uh, map here where we can see it's moving along our ecliptic path with our other planets. Then we have Uranus. Now what's interesting, we have these three stars in this place of the sky where Earth, Taurus, Aries, Fire, and Satus water really are sharing space. And so I find this is a really incredibly productive time because I always talk about alchemy and using all of the elements. Of course, there is the air element missing. So what does that tell us or what can we do with that information? (laughs) I believe that we need to honor the information we have gathered when we had access to air. And where the moon is, or where the sun, well, the sun is not in air, but where the moon is, because the moon is moving. And so, whilst these planets are in this uh, space where there are three elements, we can first draw upon Aquarius where they were sharing space with Earth as well. And in the part of the sky that we call the sea. And this is the first reminder that I can't stress enough. Is that this is a journey. This is not all about the destination. You just don't arrive at a full moon. You just don't start at a new moon. You are moving towards that, and that journey towards is one that needs to be also conscious 
in our patterns, in our ideas about full or new moon or where the planets are right now. And so when I think about what Aquarius means or what air means, air is something that we cannot always see. And if we want to see it like a gas, then we have to do something. We have to produce the air, which is possible with fire and earth. When you apply the fire to something solid, to earth or lead or metal, the fumes is the gas. But going back to where we got the first idea or in this time in the year, you know, a lot of people say, New Year's resolutions, a lot of energy around the beginning of the year where people have these ideas or thoughts that are not real yet or haven't manifested themselves, but they have these, in, you know, aspirations. So inspiration is more fire, like inspire, but aspiration is more connected with air. How far you want to go, where you want to soar. In biodynamic farming, they cut flowers when the moon is in the air sign because it's been proven that the scent lasts longer or foods that have been harvested and will need to be stored will last longer. And what does that mean? Because the air is carrying and holding space for the scent of the flowers, for your ideas to be free, to be thought about, to be contemplated about and play around with, you know, like an idea, you know, up in the air thinking, what if I do this or what if I don't do this? Or how if I combine these two? It's all about putting them in your mind, in the air as thoughts together so that you can make a picture maybe about all the possibilities and thinking and holding the space for all those possibilities and being conscious of that because once you want to um, put them in action, that's when they become something real, something you can share, something manifest. And this is a process as well. This is a journey as well. Respecting that journey, um, I always suggest with my students that they take the information and write it down. That's why it's so important to write down ideas. When people are brainstorming, that's also another air activity. And to keep those, all those ideas going, we need to write them down to keep them so that we can use them once we decide we want to manifest things. And that's so interesting because Mercury is connected with Gemini and Gemini is connected with, you know, communication going back and forth, asking questions, getting answers. You know, that's why the twins, it's the dialogue 
more. And then we have Mercury connected with Virgo. And Virgo has this, you know, um, ideas, people have these ideas about Virgo, that it's about being meticulous and perfect and this and this. But really what this is about is really striving for a innocent and clear and pure idea to manifest. Yeah, so this is the Earth's aspect of Mercury because Mercury has a lot of, there's a lot of thought process that goes on before things need to be actually perfected. Yeah, sometimes, you know, why produce something and you can't perfect it? You know, it's if it is a pure thing, if you want to make something pure, you really need to have the thought process and know what you want to do before you act. And that is what is supportive about Virgo and that you can harvest, be the harvester from Virgo, from the virgin, from the innocence to harvesting something that is tangible and it's the thought process behind it you know that's the first thing so basically what this part of the sky is saying is that you've thought about it long enough you've had these ideas as the beginning of the year or when the sun was in Aquarius supporting you and of course you have the moon moving around and that's why it brings me to this Libra full moon and why also taking into account maybe a lot of people felt it was Scorpio because Pluto was standing still about to go retrograde so with Pluto is there standing still in Sagittarius at the end of Sagittarius and it's putting more fire in this energy from the origins of water because Pluto is connected to Scorpio. So that's where I feel a lot for myself personally. I've been feeling the Pluto standing still. How am I going to really transform or support the transformation that I really aspire to make in myself and in my work, in my sky astrology? That's why I've been working on the course so much. I've been talking about it even before the new year. It's been an idea. It's been an aspiration of mine. But what do I need to do? Well, Pluto's been reminding me, been uh, just not forgiving, you know. It's putting like this fire. It's intense. It's just been really on heavy on my heart. Uh, it wants to flow. It wants me to take action, and I have. And if I wasn't aware or conscious and didn't use the time that was moving towards the full moon in Libra in the air to really think through what I could manifest and honoring in a way my true Libra spirit my son is in Libra and Libra is another one that like Virgo is balancing and waiting 
and wants kind of this perfect balance. But the funny thing is, I finally took my own advice, which I give a lot of people who have Sagittarius. I have a Sagittarius rising, and as your rising is really most important, sensitive, let's say the most sensitive part of your sky, I had to be the alchemist of my own. I had to start. I had to put fire to my things, you know, to what I wanted to do and start to look at it. And that worked. It really worked. I got the ideas, the smoke, the gas, the air that I produced, meaning the ideas of how to go about it came back because actually I was thinking all the time, how am I going to do about it? And thinking I could do it this way, I could do it that way. Like I said, you know, pure air does. And all these brainstorming ideas and all swirling around like a cloud above my head. But when I took action, that's when it's produced my own gas, you know, like produce a product, you know, an idea, the idea came of how I wanted to do it when I started to do it. So I cannot advocate that, advocate that enough. So as I've gone on, this is the best, I think, analogy for explaining this. And that's why I like to use in the sky. So, having, so because you see, it's like a journey. So let's say my arrow is me. Let's see if we can go back to Aquarius. I'm not sure because this is to show you everything. A little bit of Aquarius. Let's see. Get rid of that. Okay, no. It's below the horizon. It's very unforgiving. It's just like, what's in the sky? End of story. So here's Pisces. And here's the arrow traveling between Pisces and Satus. Right? And that's a very long journey. Um... Definitely about 40 days, and then Uranus, whoa, shaking things up. Mathematically, in Aries, there's the beginning of Aries, there's Aries, and the sun passed by there as well. You see, it's not so far. Oh, come on. Sorry for the little explanation. Explanations. Uh, so there we have moving when it when the sun moved in this to Aries and was still in Satus, also putting more fire to this area that is slowly transing from the place that they call the sea in the sky to where we meet up with Taurus and you know leaving all the water related place I mean Eradus is the longest river so it's still a bit that's connected also with the water part of the sky but really coming into some earth now like we need to manifest you know D-Day <laughs> I shouldn't say that okay so here we have the sun today. It's there. It's Aries. And I find it at the last degree of Aries here. And 
at the really last point of Satis and at the beginning of Taurus, right in the middle of those three points. And there's a strength there because Venus is in Taurus. So Venus has just had, no, Taurus has just had this transit of Venus over these last few weeks. And Venus is slowing down. It will not leave Taurus because it will go retrograde next week. So that's a good thing. Let's, you know, really use this, you know, idea of balance and beauty, natural laws of nature, harmony, as the sun goes to meet Venus. Oh, I wonder, that's another transit we need to uh, find out when it happens. So yeah, as sun moves um, into Taurus, which will be in a few days, it will meet Venus at some point. And we need all the good luck we can get because a lot of, um, like Pluto is still retrograde, Saturn is going retrograde, Jupiter is going retrograde, and it's not a bad thing. It's just going to be challenging now because we've been slowing down with the quarantine. We've had an artificial slowing down. Now we're going to have a cosmic slowing down. Just at the time, people kind of getting restless, want to get back to their lives. So, wow, what could take that? Um, it's not, we're not ready yet. <laughs> so how can we deal with that? All we can do is really um, be a master of ourselves and be, you know, mindful that we we may not ready or that we need to get ready and what can we do have we done all have we taken all the advantage of slowing down of being at home of doing things we want to do for ourselves not just for the business we have or the company we work for this is what i'm asking myself Okay, so I just wanted to point out Mercury here, but you saw that all the time. Okay, so let's see, as I show you that, um, how it's moving here. That was the Mercury ahead, and then the Sun, <clears throat> and Venus is going to go retrograde soon. So yeah, we're going to come into a lot of Earth energy in the next few days. And this is a perfect time for things to manifest. But of course, it's the journey. So have you put the fire to the earth? To Have you thought of everything that you wanted to do and how you want to do it? And now you're ready to start to see what manifests. So here we're going to pull. You can see how it works this a little bit. Oh, no, you can't because I haven't highlighted the part screen. Anyway, they have changed location. So I'm changing location. Oh, you can see that? Tokyo, because it's nighttime there. In the sky. I was going to say there's no such town on the match because I hit the wrong zero. Okay. Oh, I can't wait to see the Tokyo night sky. Yaha! Ooh, there's the moon. Lovely. Now, 
This is at 22.28 Tokyo time. Ooh, to open cluster. Okay, we're not there. Close. It's great. You can find out about anything you put the cursor on and click. You can find out about. Now, this is where I just want to show. Here was where the full moon was. Okay. And then yesterday, it was actually in Scorpio. And let me also add that when it's a full moon, that means the sun and the moon are 180 degrees away from each other. I believe when they're 160 degrees, that's like the end point really, away from each other, it's still full moon energy. You can still see the moon quite bright in the sky. So when that happened, that was the Scorpio, but when you are not conscious of the Libra, that is part of the strongest energy that we so much need while we're in the part of the sky that we call the sea as we approach earth with the fire of Aries and the fire in the belly of the satis of the sea dragon. We can appreciate the air from Libra, especially because Venus is actually in Taurus, which she shares her relationship, let's say, instead of rulership. Venus has a relationship with Libra and Taurus, okay? And so this is, in a way, her spreading that energy in both places. And as we need some energy in air and not just because we have Neptune in air but Neptune is at the end of the journey in the air is actually going home to Pisces and Neptune as you know is really into the deep intuition and so deep and so powerful intuition sometimes we don't even believe we don't believe what we see. That's where the illusion comes from. The Neptune, Neptunian energy is one that's not clear all the time because we feel it so intuitively, but can we see it? Yeah, so that is where Neptune is, which is the only other um, heavenly body at this time that is in an air constellation. So yeah, the you know, that's why I was really feeling and trying to connect with the Libra moon, even though Pluto, which has been stationary since the new moon, was, you know, I don't know, it's like, it's like a quiet voice in the background bringing up things from the past, questioning what I wanted to do in this life, and not letting me escape and be lighthearted about it. <laughs> so what can I do? And this is what Pluto is going to be doing. I just wonder if it's the same for other body else. Please let me know. don't want to be alone in that. Anyway, so... Let's go back to where the moon is now. So this is the reason why Scorpio doesn't spend a lot. I mean, moon doesn't spend a lot 
a time in Scorpio, but last night it was conjunct Arcturus. No, Antares. I get them confused from saying the say pronunciation of them. Not confused from which star. Um, Antares is a reddish star. It's called Anti Aries, which has to do with Mars, and Mars is red, blah, blah. But this is the red star. Mars is the red planet. And it has some amazing, beautiful nebula there. And it shares, really, space with Afukian stars. And at this point, where it was, the moon was aligned with Antares, which is a Scorpius star, it was also aligned and considered to be mathematically at the very beginning of Afukus. Okay, and now it's in deep focus. To be clear, it's at 10 degrees to focus, which is exactly at my Mars. Ooh, just talking about Mars. Oh, see, using this Mars energy, as soon as I finish this podcast, <laughs> I am going to continue with my course. Using that Mars energy to finish and do what you set out to do. Yeah, and here in the focus is, I believe, all a theory, as that we are here between Scorpio and Taurus of any, uh, you know, right, as you see here, and the galactic center. Oh, I wonder if you tell me where the galactic center is. Tom Thumb Cluster. They got some funny clusters there. So, I can look for a galactic center, should I? Why not? So this is anyway the constellation of Sagittarius, okay? And this is the reason I'm talking about galactic center is because that is where dark matter is. That is where the supposedly the birth of stars are. This is energy that from there cannot be destroyed. And I always take it as like it's not like the normal kind of water, or fire that you can just put water on it and it's destroyed. When you put water, like scorpion energy water, um, to this black matter in the form of the space between it, which is a food, because like I say, it's a journey. So water doesn't just stop flowing when it is on the border or in another space. And also this was Scorpio space. It's just Scorpio's just being moved out and a focus is coming more in. It's always been there, but now it's in our consciousness and it's giving us the 13th, which has always been there in all our stories about the 12 disciples and the 12 this, 12 that, there was always a 13, but nobody t called that person, that entity, the 13. I believe that this is why we need to take, this is about um, ascending or shifting, shifting to know that we need to incorporate, we need to give the actual um, realization that 
there's another element ether in this case or there is an example of where water and the galactic center energy which is fire it's at the beginning of Sagittarius this is Sagittarius it is fire create another element and this element is ether but in really basic terms this is a space where dark matter fire will not be destroyed by powerful water and instead they've decided to coexist with they call it like vapor and this is interesting because they also call it like plaza because they talk about the corona having water it's water um, droplets around the sky this the sun when the moon is in front you know water is a very powerful element and it is one that interacts with all the other elements and in this case it is you know being lifted in a way and part of fire which in this most normal cases doesn't happen is either fire or water right <laughs> so in this case we have a, a space in a focus where we actually have the fire and the water. And let's see if it's come up with galactic center. Galactic, I don't think I'm spelling it right. Galactic, it's not, or, or I can put in Sagittarius A, in case you want to know. Oh no, I don't put that in the objects. Let's put it over here. Uh, let's put on oh, with Saja. This is really good to watch for because I'm going to be putting it on my podcast so it might not be so interesting to listen to. I wish I could just go into a song and dance and entertain you, but I can't. Okay, so it just says, no, it doesn't exist. Um, what was this? Objects. Does it exist there? Nope. No objects. Oh. See, that's funny. So, in my app that I use all the time... They don't show Satus, but they show the galactic center. And now this one shows Satus, but it doesn't show the galactic center. Showing results, one of ten. Um, they're talking about... Oh... Okay, well-placed cluster in Sagittarius near the galactic center, well-placed in the sky. Um, we don't, oh, why are we in events? We want objects. Talking about that again. M22, is it called? Near the galactic center. Okay, well, let's use M22 and see if we can get close enough. 
So, M22, can I have the planetarium back, please? Let's just click on it. Oh, we, we don't want that, the sky. Okay, here. We don't want to be there. Oh, that's annoying. Okay, well, let's see we can find. No. Okay, I'm going to go back to where I was. Sorry about that. And I could have just clicked around for ages to find. Ooh, 2020. Okay, I don't need that. Ooh, that was quick. Let's put the time. Oh, we're at 23 because we're in Tokyo. 42. Okay. Can I see the sky now? Again. Okay, here. Planet will have to clickety click to find the galactic center. Oh, I hope they don't call it something else. This is here where the moon is. Now, a focus only has 18 degrees of the ecliptic. So it's only going to be there for another half a day. Now, Ptolemy's cluster, I know, is near to the galactic center. Shame on you for not having the galactic center. Let's see if I can go closer up, maybe we'll reveal more. It really is... So this is the beginning of Sagittarius. That's Sagittarius. Let's see here. Um, let's not keep clicking on Tom Thumb cluster. This one? Everybody has the same number. Okay, let's see. Sometimes a little bit further down. What about the next one? No, it's there. But obviously, it's not here. Because if it was, I would see it by now. And um, that's getting into. Oh, I'm sorry. I really wanted to show you that. But it ain't here. Okay. Literally, that's a focus of the last stars. And when, oh, where's the moon? It's up there. Oh, so that's interesting. So, yeah, this is the Antares. You know, it kind of moves this way. You see where Pluto is? So, on a slant, that's where the ecliptic is. Okay? And that's why it is closer to a focus than Scorpio, okay, because Scorpio is very far away from the ecliptic, that part of Scorpio anyway, and that's where a focus is where the interaction is taking place. So that is another star of a focus that it has to pass by, and some smaller stars of a focus, and one of the first places not showing. Oh, maybe up up here. Or did I, did I click through over there already? No, I was clicking the other place. 
Hmm. No. So, yeah, anyway. The Galactic, Galactic Center is about here. Or maybe here. You know, because if there's all these clusters, this is what makes that little milky, cloudy part of the Galactic Center. And then the part that is actually the Galactic Center is the darkest part. Like the black hole is not, not where all these little things are. Why is it not moving around? Oh. But you couldn't say I did not try. I sure did. I did, I did, I did. Okay. So, yeah, that's, this is the powerful, um, galactic center area and it's really still part of Scorpius like I said there are no borders in the sky so this deep Scorpio and what name of this oh Shalu Shaula that's a pretty strong star star as strong as Antares yeah but it's not on our ecliptic, but doesn't mean it's not interacting with the galactic center, you understand. And Scorpio is a major constellation. I stargazed upon it in Egypt. It's huge, you know. So it is a very powerful energy. And, you know, a focus is coming from the top. This is really like the, the leg of a focus coming in this, this serpent's, um, the serpent that's he holding he or she <laughs> yeah so that's what I wanted to say so here you see a Pluto is at the end of Sagittarius and it's actually this was gonna go back a lot but it's gonna go back to December where it was in December 2019 which is at 25 degrees of Sagittarius so it's moving towards the galactic center our moon is moving towards the galaxy from the other direction and yeah when will they meet in the next few days when our moon transits Sagittarius and that should be quite interesting and that is Jupiter yes again and by that time no Jupiter will still be going straight but it's at 30 degrees of Sagittarius. So there's a lot happening, but remember it is the journey. We've come coming out of the sea. We're coming out of the water. And I've used this analogy when I am reconnecting people to their birth journey, to the pre-earth life that we have was a life of water. In our mother's womb and as a cell molecule that's made of water and we still are made of water but we're water living on this earth is that not right but before is part of the journey and the most intuitive part of the journey because when you're in it you are still living in the moment and you're collecting information you're being a part of where you are moving and what are you doing and these things are important. And when we have the new moon, the full moon, it's kind of a minute to take a break, take a pause. I don't do rituals. 
I just listen. I'm just quiet. I don't expect anything because I don't know anything. I am moon gazing and sun gazing to get the answers, to open my consciousness, to be aware and grateful of our sun and moon and the rhythm that it presents and the food that it makes possible to grow here on earth. And I'm asking or listening for it to help me grow here on this earth as well spiritually. And yeah, that's enough for today. Thank you for listening. If you made it to the end, <laughs> you might want to know if you do not have a sky data chart or if you haven't had a consultation with me, I'm looking for a handful of beta testers with my course and it's at a very agreeable price and you get a constellation as well so more or less the course is free and you get a discount with the constellation because I feel with the consultation sorry I feel that the best way to learn is with your own sky and recognizing things that you already know but know that the universe is there with you it has always been there with you and that it will resonate more with what is going on in the actual sky than the, may I quote, the Astro Twins idea of artificial constellation. Artificial constellations are fine, I believe, for the old paradigm, but for the new paradigm and for people who have a more holistic, organic approach to life, I just don't think artificial constellations cut it. Or I just know that the realness, the organicness of stargazing and knowing and seeing and connecting with the stars in the sky and where our heavenly bodies are in relationship to those stars is beyond powerful, so powerful. And I would like to share that. And that's why I've been wanting to do the course because I want to share this with more people. And I understand I speak this language because I know it myself for over 35 years, and especially Sky Astrology that I've put together with my research name for the last five years. And I, of course, have to make it understandable because it's a lot of information when you really take a different look at the moment that you began or you transited from your water life into this earth life the moment we call our birth time, our birth moment, our be earth day. <laughs> okay, that's enough from me. Have a fantastic weekend. It's Saturday. I'll come back on Monday where the heavenly bodies are for some Monday motivation. Until then, take care of yourselves. It's been
good morning from London. It's actually 7.57, but I am giving where the planets are data for 11.11 on the 19th of May, 2020. I hope this podcast moment finds you and yours well. And this is, of course, me showing up more often than not. And as an assistance to especially those students who have a sky data chart where they can now know where the heavenly bodies are at the time that I am sharing it. And there is a lot happening in the sky. What's really special about today, as I want to say before I just rattle off the numbers, is that our moon has been and is now definitely in the constellation of Satus and Pisces. I have to say it's in both. I really still haven't made up my mind. But it is fair to say that it is at both because... I would say the moon is closer to Pisces, but it is coming in alignment with Eris, and it is, yeah, the moon is sharing that space with Satus, because it kind of goes back and forth. I'm going to actually take a picture of this to use for the description, and I'll tweet it, and I'll put it on Instagram to show you what I mean. So, we see the moon, it's really... Uh, closer to the stars in Pisces at this time but it is making in alignment with quite a strong star in Satus Baton Captus and not such a strong connection to the Pisces star it doesn't even have a name because it's not that luminous So more luminous is the star from Satus. And I would even say, going to find the light years away that it is. I'm using inthesky.org, which is a really good website. It's 234 light years away, the Baitinicatus. And... The other star in Pisces might be closer, to be honest, but because the magnitude is not so luminous, then it wouldn't, it makes it even less up. So it's not that much of a difference. 100 light years different, so it is also 131, where a lot of stars are, can be like 50 light years away and stuff. But this star in Pisces, faint star, is 131 years away. But it, what matters is the fact that I believe, my personal opinion, that these two constellation energies are integrated because they've been, you know, adjacent and within each other's space for a very long time. So I don't really like to separate them. There are some times where we see that 
you know, the transit of the moon and, and the sun, that it's totally left um, any particular star in Pisces, but it's still connecting to Satus. And that's, you know, maybe just a couple of days here and there. But I have found that people have qualities of this sea dragon and talk about dragon energy, so I do acknowledge it. And that's why I speak about this uh, 14th constellation that astronomers call the 14th constellation. Okay, so let's have a rundown of where the heavenly bodies are at 11.11 on the 19th GMT time. We have the constellation of Cancer just finished rising, actually. We're coming into Leo Ascendant. will be at that time. It's not that time yet. And then we have still the nodes in Sagittarius. Actually, at the Galactic Center. Interesting enough. At around 2 to 3 degrees. Of Sagittarius. Next, we still have Pluto at 28 degrees going retrograde as well as Jupiter's retrograde and it's still at 30 degrees. Saturn is still at one, almost two degrees, but it's also retrograde. These little trio of retrograde energies, Saturn is coming, moving away from its entry into Capricorn and going to go back into Sagittarius, which is quite interesting. Then we have Mars in Aquarius at 6 degrees, Neptune at 22 degrees, and almost at the end of Aquarius. Next we have Chiron at 16 degrees, and our moon at this time will be 30 degrees, and soon to be conjunct the planet 10 Eris. It's 2 degrees away, which means in 4 hours it will be there. So in the afternoon, at 15.11, it will be conjunct Eris. Interesting enough. Good that I know. <laughs> it's really powerful to know where your Eris is, I have to say, so far. Then we have Uranus at 